next on the OHIO Podcast. We review Ohio State's big opening season win over the Irish of Notre Dame, and that starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from beautiful North Central Ohio. And I am joined by my co-host today from a rainy Texas, apparently, Aaron Brown, and from a rainy uh, Marion, Ohio, Chris Wilds. I guess it's just raining, but thankfully last night in the horseshoe, it was raining tackles defensively, guys. Man alive, we're going to be getting into that in just a minute. Um, overreaction Sunday, I guess you could call this a little bit, from <laughs> Ohio State fans as we discussed a little bit in the pre-show here. But let's just jump right in. Aaron, I'll go with you first, man. Your initial reaction from Ohio State's 21-10 to 10 victory over the fifth-ranked Fighting Irish of Notre Dame to open the 2022 season. Well, I'm just going to start by saying the best thing about being 1-0 and is the chance to be 2-0. and So there's that. Uh, observations, though, about the game. I feel like, uh, first of all, Notre Dame, I feel like they had a really good plan. And they executed quite well till about the end of the third quarter. So, I mean, I have to give credit where it's due. They came up with a great plan. They kept our offense off the field. They were incredibly disruptive. I think that their defense across the board was better than what we expected. So props to them and their preparation and, and planning. Uh, it just, uh, as, as it usually does, it comes down to execution. And thankfully, the Buckeyes were able to execute when it mattered most. Uh, the Ohio State offense, and this is the, the point that everybody on the Internet is just tearing them apart for. I even read an article today from, uh, I think it was like Land Grant. And I can't remember who wrote it, but... Uh, basically, they were saying uh, it's time for Ryan Day to uh, to hand over the reins of the play calling, which is probably the dumbest thing I've, I think that I have seen. OK, and this is from like a, reput- a reputable <laughs> writer uh, and source. So I was like, man, this is uh, this is about peak stupidity as far as I'm concerned. The only thing I would say uh, on the offensive side. Notre Dame's defense and their plan was was better than expected, as I said, and I think that maybe the adjustments needed to come quicker, um, but by the same token, everybody knows we're going to throw the ball. Notre Dame did a good job of keeping everything in front of them. Their secondary was better than, than anticipated. They covered our receivers quite well, and it was pretty obvious once uh, JSN went out, uh, the game plan kind of fell apart, so that kind of stuff happens, you know? Um but you can't just give up on the passing game. You know, Ryan Day still has to try to throw the ball and try to make things happen. We can't just say, oh, JSN's out. Let's just ram it down their throats running the ball, uh, which is essentially what ended up happening. But I feel like it took about a quarter and a half too long. And that's that's my only thing right there. And it's not really a complaint so much as an observation. You have two really good running backs and I know that there was 29 carries between them, but I, I think that came mostly in the second half, if I'm being honest. Um, the passing game wasn't terrible, wasn't bad at all, but uh, you could see a little bit of rust. But again, I think that fans have this expectation of what they saw in the Rose Bowl. But this was game one, guys. They haven't played since January. 
let's chill out a little bit, okay? Notre Dame is, or well, was the number five team in the country. Let's cut them a little slack. The Buckeyes won by a double digits. They did the job. Uh, Ohio State's defense. Wow. What a turnaround. What a freaking turnaround. I was very impressed. I don't know about you guys, but man, I really enjoyed watching that defense. It was, I can't say that it's exactly what I expected in performance, but as far as like X's and O's, that's about what I thought I would see. And it was, they were damn good. I was very pleased with what I saw. Chris, go for it, man. Your initial reaction. Well, yeah. Let me tell you. First of all, I, I, the naysayers on the internet, like Aaron said, who are getting all over this offense, just need to take a step back. As he said, first game of the season. You know what? I, I saw people calling for Stroud to be benched. Come on. The guy still completed almost 71% of his passes. Yeah, he only went for 223, but you got the best receiver in the nation sitting on the sidelines. You have Fleming, who you thought was going to be your number three coming into the season. He's sitting out on the sidelines. You know, you've got a brand new offensive line, you know, for the most part. I mean, give it a little time. He still went out there, like I said, completed almost 71%, two touchdowns, 223 yards. That's not bad. The, The running attack was very balanced. I mean, it was, what, 15 and 14 carries, I believe, 91 and 85 yards to, the, to these guys. I mean, that's great. I mean, you know, it may not be our level of expectation because – and I was one of the big ones, Eric, and you tried to talk me down from it. I, I thought it was going to be, you know, them coming out, putting 40, you know, 40-plus points on the board without a doubt. And this Notre Dame defense is for real. I truly believe right now this is the best defense we will see until the college football playoffs. And defensively, you know, I I can't say I'm upset. We held the number five team in the nation. And granted, I got on their offense a little bit because there were so many new pieces to it. We held this offense to 253 yards. They had less than 25% third down conversion rate and you kept the best tight end in the nation to only five catches for what 37 yards i think 32 yards five catches for 32 yards their wideouts a couple of them got the ball once a piece but this defense was impressive and i'll tell you what at least on one of those plays their receiver got away with a push off so let me just tell you I've been impressed by the defense. I'm impressed by, you know, how well the linebacking play was. And also, you know, we were getting some pressure there. Yeah, we only got three tackles. We got six tackles for loss, though. We had an additional quarterback hurry. Our guys were playing behind that line of scrimmage a little bit. And, man, big Mike Hall. Did he not come on a little bit yesterday? I, I Yeah, overall, I'm I'm happy, Eric. I don't know about you. I'm extremely happy, Chris. Um, <clears throat> so first off, I think maybe we should have had a little bit different expectations for our offense going into this game, given the fact that James Laurinaitis and Marcus Freeman had an entire summer to prepare to come up with a game plan for our offense. Now, you're right. It didn't help that Jackson Smith and the Jigba went out early in the game. And that kind of got us out of sync, like Ryan Day said, but we all were thoroughly impressed with James Laurinaitis on the big 10 network as an analyst and a, a commentator last year. We knew this guy know, knows defense and he knows Ohio state inside and out. So there was an advantage there for, for Notre Dame and the, uh, in the defensive department there against our offense on the other side of the ball. I was wanting I, – I said – I told you guys I want to see it to believe it. Well, I'm a believer fast, guys. That defense was completely different than what we have experienced uh, in the last two seasons. And let me say this as well. I don't think we win this football game last year. I think we lose this game last year. We just didn't yeah. have the toughness on the defensive side of the ball – 
or running the ball offensively to do what we had to do to win this game yesterday. I think that's why Ryan Day was so happy after the game, not only because he won, but it was how we won. We won by being tougher than our opponent, which is what everybody was saying we were lacking last season in 2021, which is why we lost to Oregon, and it's why we lost to that team up north, and it's why we about lost to, to Utah in the Rose Bowl. So all of that, uh, all of that being aside, I thought it was a great win for those things, and I think that's the positives that we can take away from this. I don't think we have an issue in our passing game. I don't think we have an, an issue on our offense. If anything, this might be the lowest output offensively that we have all year. But yet, if we get into a a dogfight with, say, a Georgia or a Bama, or a team up north, isn't it good and refreshing to know that we have the toughness that it takes to win a 21-10 to 10 game now? For sure. Because we didn't have that crap for the last couple of years, guys. We haven't had it in a while, man. So... I'm I am looking at this very positively. Now let me let me say some fun things too. Uh to Mike who runs the Buckeye Buggy, it's the um it's the awesome bus tailgate over there by uh the um the track that he let me uh join their tailgate for a while. Carl and I got to join their tailgate, walk through their bus. What a great dude. Uh, I told you I'd give you a shout out if you've ever are around there and you see the Buckeye buggy. It sounds like a train whistle when it drives through. Awesome tailgate. James Cotton was there. Good to see James Cotton, former Buckeye, listener to the show, friend of the show. It was the first Buckeye to ever join us on the podcast. Ran into him. Good to see you again, my friend. And to the Notre Dame fan who I sat next to, who I became friends with, he wanted me to tell all of you that you have to play the game by following the rules. <laughs> and and he'll know exactly what he'll know exactly what I mean because every time there was a penalty he would tell me you can't do that that's against the rules <laughs> and uh, the play where their offensive the the uh, tight end got the off, pass, offensive pass interference and I was able I told him I was like hey buddy you can't do that that's against the rules and he he buried <laughs> he buried his head in his hands and he goes that's the game isn't it and i was like yep that's the game buddy <laughs> but it was a lot of fun i got my picture with him we'll post that on social media what a good dude his dad was uh an elderly man who was an OSU alum he was a Notre Dame alum and his dad just sat back with a big smile on his face and gave his son a <laughs> hug and said, maybe next year, buddy. <laughs> In which I told him, I go, you know, you could have a lot more chances if you guys would actually join the conference, you know. So a lot of fun going back and forth with that. Great, great way to start the season off, in my opinion. All right, guys, let's give some offensive and defensive grades, shall we? Let's give our report card. Let's start with the offense first. Uh, offensively, we had 233 passing yards, 172 rushing yards for a total of 395 yards for the game. We averaged 5.7 yards per play. We had 22 first downs, which I thought was nice. We were 7 of 13 on third downs, guys. And here's a stat for you. Outside of having zero turnovers, which I'm not surprised about that, we take care of the football. Time of possession. 32 minutes and 59 seconds we possess the ball. We usually lose in that department. We won that that stat against Notre Dame last week, or excuse me, against Notre Dame yesterday. Aaron, your offensive grade for Ohio State yesterday. I said a B. I, I feel like it's warranted given the the that you know Notre Dame showed up and and really played great defense. Um, you know, the fact we went seven of 13 on third down, uh, that's that's not bad. It's a little over 50 percent. Uh, the only issue that I had was we didn't execute uh, at, at necessarily a good level passing the ball. But again, first game, things happen. Notre Dame showed up to play. So, I mean, it is what it is, but that's my grading. Uh, and then penalties. We had seven penalties for 75 yards. Uh, we got to turn, we got to clean that up a little bit. Um, running the ball. I was very impressed. 
However, I would have liked to have seen a little more yards per play overall on the offense. You mentioned 5.7. I just would have liked to have seen that uh, probably around the 6.5 to 7 yard per play. But 5.7 is not terrible. It's not. It was better than what Notre Dame did. And then, you know, total plays, we ran 21 more plays than they did. But they also controlled the clock. You know, you mentioned time of possession. We won it by the end of the game. But if you looked at it at halftime, man, it was very lopsided towards Notre Dame. Uh, but their their plan kind of fell apart. But uh, with everything all said and done, I got, I'm going to go with a B. Chris, your letter grade for the offense for the Notre Dame game yesterday. Yeah, I'm with Aaron as well. I had a B as well. And again, many of the same reasons. Uh, specifically, you know. We just didn't look crisp. It looked like maybe Stroud's timing in the beginning was a little off, uh, not having worked with these guys as much as he did, obviously. You know, you take away that security blanket in JSN, that's going to affect you a little bit. He has such a great rhythm there. I think he's starting to develop that rhythm with Harrison. And I'll tell you what, once Ekbuka got going, he had himself a nice game as well. Um, So the early on offense – I brought the grade down a little bit. The penalties brought the game down a little bit because when we were getting offensive penalties, they were big ones like the the chop block, like the holding. Um, But you know what? Overall, I thought they did very well against a really, really good Notre Dame defense. I went with B minus. I think this was a very – this was a good – this is passing grade offense. Let's put it to you that way. Like this is a passing grade. We get down in the C's. That's not good at all. But this was a B minus. We've got to get this up in the A area if we're going to be national champions and Big Ten champions like we expect. To the other side of the ball, we allowed 177 passing yards. We only allowed 76 rushing yards. And by the way, out of 177 passing yards, the majority of that was on, I believe, two or three passes. Uh, We only gave up 253 yards total. Yards per play, we only gave up 5.3. Let's see here. Uh, First downs allowed, we gave up, I believe, 12. Um, Here's one for you. Third down efficiency, getting off the field, right? Notre Dame was three of 13. Man, we did a great job there defensively. Time of time of uh, possession, 27 and minutes and one second for the Irish. Of course, we uh, didn't create turnovers. We almost had one there, um, but uh, that'll come. That'll come. Uh, but we did have not, uh, quite a few sacks. There. I think we had, what, had three or four sacks in the game. Um so, yeah, some, some good stats there. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you. Your letter grade for the defense. Well, I'll tell you, Eric, I gave them an A-. minus. Now, they played tremendous, but you, as you mentioned, they did have, give up three big passing plays, obviously the 54-yarder to Lorenzo Styles. Uh, they also gave up a 32-yarder to Lindsey and a 31-yarder to uh, Salerno. Outside of that, they were tremendous. Um, like I said, getting some pressure in the backfield. Uh, you know, we had some players really step up, and, and we'll get to that obviously with the Buckeye leaves, but you look at what the linebacking crew did, and I'll tell you what, one name I wasn't expecting to hear called as much as it was was Lathan Ransom. He had himself a nice game yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I thought th- I thought they were very good. They had a very rough first drive and gave up three big pass plays. But other than that, they were on. I went with an A. I thought that defensively this was not what I was expecting. I don't know. I love this. If, we, if we're if we able to play like this the remainder of the year, not only are we going to be in every single game with a chance to win, I think there's a very good chance, given that our offense comes around, and we can put an A defense with an A offense on the report card and say a, a game against that team up north and maybe an eventual a national championship type game, I think this team has got the potential and the roster to be national champions. So I'm going to go A with the defense. Aaron, your letter grade on that side of the ball. I also went with an A minus, uh, and it's it's for the same reasons. You know, the secondary, not bad, but – if you're playing Georgia, you're playing Alabama, 
those are not just long gains. Those are touchdowns, and that would have killed us. So the secondary, I feel like, needs to get a little bit better uh, in their coverage. I was a little disappointed in the way Denzel Burke played. I'm not going to lie. I caught him a couple of times when they would throw it his way. He didn't turn his head toward the ball. And, Eric, you know how I feel about that. That drives me insane. In some situations, I know it's you can't. You can't turn your head towards the ball. I I know. Trust me. I played for a long time. I know how it is at times. But uh, other than that, I feel like the defense was extremely solid, extremely solid. Uh, I was very pleased with what I saw. Uh, The third down efficiency, like Eric mentioned, very good. That is three for 13. That is that is a quality right there allowing only 72 rushing yards. And, and and let's be honest, you know, Notre Dame's offense is not going to light up the scoreboard <laughs> a whole lot. You know what I mean? Um, but other than that, man, they didn't force any turnovers. I would have liked to have seen that, but I'm not upset that they didn't. It just it is what it is. But A- minus is what I'm going to roll with. Very good. There's your report card for Ohio State's opening game against Notre Dame. Uh, let's turn the page and hand out some Buckeye leaves now. Let's start with the offensive player of the game, Aaron. So my offensive, I got two. You know how I do things. Of course you do. <laughs> it's 2022. You know how I do. <laughs> Nothing has changed for Aaron Brown and handing out Buckeye leaves. You are correct. So I'm going to go with Mayan Williams as my first player. Okay, 14 carries, 84 yards. That's good for six yards per carry and a touchdown. And above the stats, I know that everybody's going to be like, well, Henderson ran for more. Well, that's fine and dandy, but it was Williams' running style. Okay, he absolutely pounded them. Absolutely pounded them. They did not know what to do with him. It it took three or four every single time to drag him to the ground. And I feel like when you have a running back that does things like that, if you're an O-lineman, you're a wide receiver, whatever, you know that he is giving 110%, and that right there is worth all the, the gold in the world as far as momentum goes. Um, and then my other player, and this is another one, you know, they're going to say, well, Egbuka had 90 yards on nine receptions and then all this and that, you know, but I'm going with with Xavier Johnson, two receptions, 34 yards and a touchdown. But the touchdown that he had, I feel like swung the momentum because on the very next play on the kickoff return, he made the tackle inside the 20. If that doesn't, I, I don't know, maybe just it's me, but that got me going and I'm sitting on the couch. So... <laughs> That right there, to me, was worth a Buckeye leave for each one of those guys. Chris, who gets your offensive player of the game? Yeah, for me, I'll tell you what. I I went with Mayan Williams as well, although I easily could have gone with Johnson uh, for the same reasons Aaron did. But I just thought Mayan just beat these guys down. He wore out that defense. Uh, He he just ran rough shot over. And I'll tell you what, I loved – when he, he started going, that play where he just stepped out of bounds, he had so much anger after that, I think it just motivated him to go harder. He was so upset at himself for that step out of bounds when he knew he could have been gone. Um, but I'll tell you what, Eric, I got another guy, and I don't know if you want to call this offensive. I don't know if you want to call this defensive. But can we talk about our punter? I mean, just a little bit here, because let's face it. The way the offense struggled in the beginning, are we really completely in this game to the point that we were if he hadn't pinned them down inside the the 20-yard line on four of his five punts? He controlled the field position. Now, yeah, he plays on fourth down, so maybe it was offensive, you know, but maybe it's defensive because he put him in such a position. But I'll tell you what, that punter deserves some credit. Jesse Murkos, who you're talking about. And with Jim Trestle in the house, I think there was maybe a little uh, nod to the hat from Ryan Day to to the sweater vest on some of the the play calling and uh, the way he was and playing the field position game. Not going for it on fourth and three? When has he ever done that? I know. I know. There's a little bit of a trestle ball going on there. So, yeah, I got you. I went with Mayan Williams. I told you guys I felt like in the fourth quarter – that he was going to run them down and wear them out. And that's exactly what happened. This guy runs so angry, Aaron. I mean, he, he, 
every time he gets the ball in his hand, it's like this dude has so many chips on his shoulder from being uh, considered a, a three-star running back and you know overlooked in that recruiting class. And here he is, the second best running back on the team. And I'm not so sure he might not be the best running back on this team. Just, I mean, with his style. Um, he reminds me, here's a name blast from the past for you, of Maurice Jones-Drew. Yes. That, mm, muscle hamster. That, yeah. That low center of gravity busts through the line. You don't even really see him because he's short and squatty, and his legs are the size of redwood tree trunks. And and you just you cannot arm tackle this guy on the legs. You, you got to gang tackle him because he just will not. He will not go down the first hit, dude. He just won't. He absolutely refuses to. And his momentum's always pushing him forward. I love his running style. Mayan Williams, to me, was the offensive player of the game. Defensive player of the game, Chris, you get to go first. I'll tell you what, you could go so many ways with this. And I'm going to pull an Aaron right here, and I'm going to give you two, Eric. I, I got to tell you, it was, for me, Tommy Eichenberg, his linebacker play was just tremendous yesterday. For those who thought he was going to have a layoff or a letdown after that Rose Bowl, comes out, leads the team with nine tackles two sacks, three tackles for loss. And I'll tell you, the other guy that was in that backfield all night was Mike Hall Jr. Come on, four, ta- four tackles. Yeah, he had a sack. He had two tackles for loss. He had another quarterback hurry. These guys were just providing the pressure last night, and it was awesome. I went with Tommy Eichenberg, uh, nine tackles, six solo, two sacks. That first sack, dude. I didn't know if the quarterback was going to get up, man. <laughs> that I know you can't really hear it on TV. You heard that hit from the top stands, man. Uh, it, it was it was a nice tackle. Aaron, your defensive player of the game. Yep. So uh, I got two as well. And uh, you guys I'm are going killing to, me. <laughs> hey, I'm going to. Yeah, but I'm about to make up for it. All right. Hear me out. I'm going to refer to this duo as Mike and Ike. Mike. Mike Hall and Tommy Eichenberg. And Ike is not I-K-E, it's E-I-C-H. Mike and Ike. And it's all the stats that you guys just listed. But in addition to those stats, man, Mike Hall, he held up the middle of that defensive line. I mean, everything just felt like it ran through him. Uh, And I don't mean play calling, I mean execution-wise. He did everything just perfect. Uh, he played that position better than I've seen it played in a while at Ohio State. The kid was impressive. All right. I'm gonna Come have on, to make, Mike and Ike? Oh, I love Mike and Ike, yeah, but I, I'm going to have to make a rule. You guys can't pick two. You guys are both picking two. What's it's, wrong with that? It's player. It's not players of the game. It's player of the yeah, game. But credit where it's due. I've been doing this for years. You I can't know. cut me out now. I, well, I'm not. I'm. I might have to. I'm just gonna, gonna make a rule. We will wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna be there with the camera, and we're putting that up on the webpage. Dude, Let's, it's not. It's not even a competition. It's I know. Even, I'll hit you with a stone cold stutter, and that's I, a wrap. Chris is gonna count that one, two, three, and it's over. I'm gonna have to bring a steel chair to make it even fair. Gee, many Christmas. <laughs> All right, offensive play of the game. If you give me two plays of the game, I, I swear I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to take a walk. Go for it, Aaron. Nah, it's just one. <laughs> it's the touchdown to Xavier Johnson. I feel like that swung the momentum in our favor, and uh, that was just – it worked out so well. Uh, they, you know, For the first time all night, really, they brought their, their safeties forward, and that gave uh, C.J. Stroud the opportunity to hit that skinny post for a touchdown. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because that was the one time where they they went away from their game plan and discipline and they got a little bit greedy and we made them pay. That was the one time all night they did that and it was six. So I got the same. C.J. Stroud TD passed to Xavier Johnson. Chris. That's three. Well, that made it easy. Defensive player hit of the game, Chris. I'll tell you what, I'm going with the very next play. I think it was the, a momentum changer there. I'm gonna I'm gonna take. Uh, uh, Xavier Johnson again on special teams. That's an interesting one there. Um, you know, in the in the in the stands, we didn't know who it was. You know, you're trying to 
you're trying to see, you're trying to, you know, figure out who it was. And when we found out it was him, I was like, oh my gosh, what a, that dude just had himself a, a, a walk on a Rudy moment. He had himself a Rudy moment, except that it was bigger than what Rudy did. You know, Rudy got a sack, you know, he was on special teams and then got a sack here. Our walk on gets a touchdown. Oh, gets a catch. Then his first touchdown and, and then, uh, the tackle on special teams. So. Yeah, pretty awesome night for him. Good good call there. Aaron, you're a defensive player hit of the game. Uh, I Actually, I had the same thing written down uh, just because for the same reasons, you know. And also, I think that speaks to the depth of our wide receiver room. When you have walk-ons that can do the things that this kid did, you know, that is that is depth. That is impressive. Uh, he's in front of other five-star recruits. I mean, think about the talent on the sideline. They put this kid in the game. That speaks to how hard he has worked to get on that field, and he he executed when they needed him to. Very impressive. And yeah. and Xavier Johnson was onside. Rudy was offside. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear where Rudy was in the transfer portal. He wants to be a Buckeye now. I don't blame him. I yeah. want to win too. Yeah. My defensive player hit of the game. I think is that what we're on? I'm a little lost, guys. I'm yeah, defensive re- player of the game. Yeah, I'm still recovering from last night. Our defensive player hit of the game. I'm going with the Mike Hall sack. Uh, dude lived in the backfield. We've heard all year how good he was. He was unblockable. Um, I heard uh, Larry Johnson say that he won the starting position over some seniors uh, this this fall in camp. He came out as the starter. And uh, when that happens, you know, he plays the game, gets a big, big sack. He's only going to make our defensive ends better, by the way, because if they're going to if teams are going to have to double him, that's going to leave other people open, especially on the outside to cause havoc against our opponents. Mike Hall's sack was a defensive play of the game for me. All right, guys. That is our Buckeye Leafs. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we have our Facebook poll question, and we're going to answer your questions. So hang tight. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. All right, let's go to the Facebook poll question, shall we, guys? So every year uh, we try to do this uh, after the game. We throw a question out there. Some weeks it's a little bit easier than others, but this one I thought, was very interesting to get kind of the pulse of Buckeye Nation following the game. The poll question was, what surprised you most about last night's game? Your options were how good our defense looked, how bad our offense looked, how much better Notre Dame was than we expected, or I wasn't surprised, this is what I expected. (laughs) You got to always throw that in there for some people, right? For sure. All right, so before I reveal what the re, uh, the results were for this poll question, Chris, what did you choose in that poll and why? Uh, you know, it, it's a tough call. I, I would probably say, it, for me, it was probably how good the defense looked. Now, I expected improvement, but and I, I thought they would be solid. I did not expect the massive improvement in the first game that we saw. And, you know, we've regurgitated the numbers, but especially on third down and especially when controlling, like I said, the guy who is most likely regarded as the top tight end in the country. I thought we were tremendous there. Uh, So for me, I guess it was the defense. All right, Aaron, what'd you do? uh, What'd you pick in this poll? Look, man, Jim Knowles is that dude. Okay, I'm. I said how good the defense looked. That uh, they looked like they have just played together for years, uh, and and they've only played together for a summer. So I'm. I I can't speak enough on it. We've we've reiterated it throughout the show. The defense and how good they looked. That is what I'm picking. All right. So I actually went with how good the defense looked too. So it's a clean sweep from us, but. Listen to these results. Here we go. 
in the caboose at 6% receiving 14 votes was how much better Notre Dame was than I expected. In third, with 9%, 20 people, 20 people said they weren't surprised this is what they expected. 20 people. I I don't know what you what you where I need to talk to you 20 people because apparently I don't know football but you 20 do. So they they should start a podcast together. <laughs> Those 20 people should start a podcast. That's a that's a great that's a great idea, Aaron. Thank you. In second at 32% was how bad our offense looked. 70 people out there were a little bit surprised about how our offense looked. And overwhelmingly, 51%, 109 votes, how good our defense looked. So that is how the poll results were for this week's poll question. All right. uh, We also asked for fan-submitted questions. And, Chris, we're going to have you uh, run this this week. You can go ahead and choose several of them. You don't have to read them all, obviously, or we'd be here all night. But choose some of these questions and throw them out to Aaron and I. And if you want to answer one yourself, feel free to do so. But let's uh, let's spend a, a good portion of the last part of the show here answering our listeners' questions, shall we? Absolutely, Eric. And I'll tell you what, we, we have some great listener questions. Our listeners are tremendous. And Brian King sent one in. And Aaron, this is for you specifically. Brian King says, I was tremendously impressed with our defense. Yeah, there were a few hiccups overall, uh, a few hiccups, but overall, they were significantly better than last year. We shut them out for the last 40 minutes of the game. But Aaron, where do we still need to get better? I think we need to just maybe improve, like settling into the game in the beginning, because honestly, that's kind of where we got hit hard the most, and it was in the secondary. Um, but other than that, man, uh, I feel like it was a very solid game plan. They executed very well. Uh, when you can shut out the number five team, regardless of the name next to that number five, uh, when you can shut them out for 41 minutes of the game, uh, you've done something correctly. And that's not just the D line or the linebackers. That's all three sections of the defense at all three levels. They executed at a high level. Um, but if you want to really shut a team down because like i said earlier you know those like that lorenzo styles opening pass for 50 yards or whatever it was that's a touchdown if you're playing georgia or alabama okay so uh i think that it's just the coverage downfield needs to get a little bit better but outside of that man i don't know what else we could do maybe more pressure forcing turnovers but uh that stuff comes within the game that's the game within the game so all right eric I got a great one for you because I know you love talking about this guy. How valuable, and this comes from Justin Bowman, how valuable is Mayan Williams to this team? And can he be a key piece in unlocking the potential to win with toughness and allow us to go more to a ground and pound style of offense? Great question. But before I answer this, may I offer my congratulations to Justin and his lovely bride on their new baby. And I saw pictures of him uh, watching the Ohio State game with his new bundle of joy in his arms, man. What what an experience. OH, baby. Loved it. Great pictures, Justin. Congratulations. Yeah. So... uh, um, Mayan Williams and the ground and pound and the change of this offense. Let's okay. Let me start by saying this first. Ryan Day is not going to change, guys. The dude loves high octane, throwing the football. Uh, I guess we'll call it an NFL pro style slash college up-tempo offense. Like, I, I really don't know what to, Aaron could probably give it a better description than I could, but I don't ever see Ryan Day abandoning the pass for, for a run-first offense. Aaron, do you agree? Yeah, yeah. I just uh, – the only thing I can think of, honestly, from last night that I wish that he would have done, you know – 
Notre Dame was keeping everything in front of them. I, it wasn't prevent, but it looked more like a cover four. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that instance, like comeback routes, curls, hooks, short slants, things like that should have been the play calls. But he kept trying to hit those medium levels, uh, you know, posts and outs and different things like that. And uh, I wish that he would have maybe tried to just take what the defense gave him instead of trying to force things. But, uh, it, you know. Yeah, and so what? What he did take was the was the running game, the running attack, because mm-hmm. they were giving us they were giving us running lanes all night because of that defense that they were playing, and I think Ryan Day is is learning as a play caller that in the Midwest and and in the North, if defenses are going to force you to run the football, you have to be willing to win that style. You just have to. I, I, I think of it like this. I don't, if we ever play Georgia, that's how we have to win that game. Yes. Yeah. Alabama could be a little different. I think you can, I think you, Alabama might want to run up and down the field with you a little bit, but Georgia, Georgia, they want to play a game in a phone booth and you have to, if you're going to beat Georgia, you have to have a running game that is comparable to what they've got. So, I mean, look at look at those Alabama Georgia games. Alabama beats them by beating them in the running attack. So we, so I think Ryan Day understands it. Ryan Day understands the big picture. When we were when we were talking about some of the fans, they don't understand the big picture, do they? In you most know? cases, yeah. Yeah. If if we're gonna get to the college football playoff and we play a Georgia. You have to win that style of game right there. So to answer your question, Justin, I don't think we'll ever abandon the pass and go to a more run style attack. But it's good to know that if we have to, we can. And I think that's what the whole talk this offseason about getting tougher in the running game has been all about. Because Michigan is going to force us to to beat them this way with with the style of defense that they play. That's how we have to beat them right here. They've learned their lesson, and they're not going to allow us to just throw throw all over the field on them anymore. They're going to say, you're going to beat us. You're going to have to outman us and out-tough us up front, and that's what this is all about. Okay. All right, now here, here's a great one, guys. And, and, again, this comes from Brian King again. because oh, tell you, He gives us some good questions. He does. So – Earlier in, early in the game, it looked to me like Notre Dame was winning the battle in the trenches. By the end of the game, we clearly had the advantage. Was there a scheme change, or did we just wear them down? And guys, I, I kind of want to jump in on this one a little bit, and then Aaron, I'd like to get you and Eric's ideas about if you think I'm right or not. I think it was a combination of things. First of all, Ryan Day, we saw it a little bit a few years ago with Trey Sermon and Northwestern where we had to, you know, change to that running attack. And I think that that wore them they, – they were getting worn down, obviously, a little bit once we started running the ball, especially with Mayan Williams. Uh, and I do think that that led to us being able to control the trench a little more. Not only that, but now that we have a couple of legitimate guards in there, I think it almost becomes a little easier than pass block because they can be more aggressive. You don't just have to stand up, step back, and get yourself in position to block for the pass. You can actually attack, and I think that was a big difference in us moving uh, as far as offensively goes. And defensively, I just think that the horses, you know, our horses were just better than theirs. They have horses. We had thoroughbreds. What, what's your opinion on that, Aaron? I agree. It was a combination. <clears throat> and some of the things that I observed, uh, there was one run play uh, where Dewan Jones pulled from the tackle spot yeah. uh, as one of the blockers through the middle. That We haven't seen that before. And that goes credit to Coach Fry. Uh, and that was one of the th- the matchups that I was looking for. What is Coach Fry versus uh, Al Washington going to look like? And we saw that. And it, it was a combination because 
uh, in addition to the scheming because when you have Dewan Jones pulling from tackle, okay, and then I think it was Cade Stover picked up the D end. When you have somebody that 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 size of a human being uh, coming at you several times, uh, you get a little bit uh, iffy on attacking that gap. Uh, and we saw that. And that's what really, if you noticed, Mayan Williams was running a lot to the left side. And that's where uh, he was pulling through to get through, Dewan Jones. Uh, he pulled from the right to the left down the line and kicked out that defensive tackle. And then uh, I forget who it was that led up through there. It might have been the guard pushed through to the linebacker area to the second zone. And uh, that opened up some gaps. You know, we haven't really seen that style of running. But when you're doing that, it does wear them down. Because I, I mentioned last week at the preview show, uh, Marcus Freeman doesn't like to substitute. So, of course, we wore them down. We just kept pounding and pounding and pounding, and they broke eventually. Eric? I got nothing to add. I think you guys covered it well. All right. Well, you know what? I have a couple more questions coming that were really good. And actually, Aaron talked about these two guys both in his last statement. So I'm going to kick this one over to you, Eric. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly where it's coming from, but I want to get your thoughts on it. This comes from uh, Jeff DeBros, I believe is the name. DeBrosi. DeBrosi. Should they be looking to sure up the right tackle position and reevaluate Jones in that role? And a short answer, no. Um, to give you a longer answer, he had a he had a bad game <clears throat> mentally. Yeah. He had a bad game mentally. Um, I don't think it was from a lack of of wanting to. I think it was just moments of mental lapses and it happens you know it could happen i think in the end he is the right man for the job he is a mountain of a human being he has put the work in in the offseason he's dropped weight his footwork is really really good like aaron said he was able to pull from the right tackle position can you six nine three hundred and forty pounds coming at you and you are a 240 pound linebacker or God forbid, a hundred and ninety pound defensive back. <laughs> Northwestern, anybody? Like <laughs> he pushed a whole defensive line to the ground. That was my favorite play of all time. Almost. That's my second favorite. Master Teak said, "Thank you very much. I'll just drive my Mack truck the rest of the way <laughs> through here." Um, no, in short, no. He's gonna be fine. He just didn't have his very best game. We've seen this happen before with linemen. Um, he, I think he was maybe, if anything, it was a little too amped. Because if you watched him after a big run, who's the first lineman to pick up the running back and celebrate? Yep. It was him. Go back and watch it. The, dude, right. the okay. dude is all enthusiasm, man. Just a, maybe a little bit too much amp. Calm down a little bit, son. All right, so I've got three more questions. One for each of you. And then one that I think we're all going to address. So here we go, Aaron. Did we ever see the intensity in our defense in any game last year for 60 minutes like we did last night? That comes from Eric Osbeck. No, no, we didn't. I, I don't think so. Uh, I think we talked about earlier in this show uh, last year, we probably lose this game. Uh, and that's that's pretty much the long and the short of it. Um, the intensity was incredible last night. The energy was incredible, whether they were feeding off the crowd or each other, whatever. Uh, I, I, I can't, no, I can't think of one time last season that we saw that, that, that level of intensity at all. I got one. Which one? Michigan state. Yeah. We beat them, we beat them 56 to seven. They stop came it, in. Stop and they, they came in with the best running game, run, uh, rushing attack behind uh, the team up north, and we 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 absolutely. Th- but they their offense ran right into our basic defense, and we just manhandled them. Yeah, I, I'll get okay. So I, I'll give you that one. But I mean, if you're talking about intensity, I mean, I don't think they hit. Was it Peyton Thorn that was their quarterback last year too? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know that they lit him up in it like every tackle felt like it was a big time tackle last night. I don't feel like that was the case in that in that Michigan State game. 
like, yeah, the score indicates that we throttled them, but like, I don't remember just a whole four quarters of every hit just being huge, just a massive hit. You know what I mean? Like they were hitting the hell out of each other last night. I guarantee you both teams are sitting in the ice bath all day today. <laughs> touche. Touche. I, I'll, I'll give you that one. Good point. All right. So, Eric, Egbuka obviously, and this comes from Brian King, Egbuka obviously, uh, you know, stepped up last night after uh, Smith and Jigba went down. You know, Marvin Harrison was a key contributor. Stover was a beast. Yeah, he is so, so country strong. <laughs> will we involve the tight end more this season, or was that just in response to being short Smith and Jigba and Fleming last night? All right, don't let three catches fool you. This is still Ohio State. <laughs> we don't believe a tight end is allowed to catch the football beyond 20 times in a season. So, and there's three of them right there. So he's got 17 catches left in the bank. Uh, <laughs> the tight end blocks, okay, that's his job at Ohio State. And he does it and, well. And he does it extremely well. But how, how about his – his least yardage catch was the best one. That one-handed grab was incredible, dude. Um, okay, so I went to the uh, skull session, and they always allow one player to speak. Okay, this outside of the team up north, this is the biggest game on the schedule at home this year, right? Yeah. It was it was Cade Stover who was given the honor by Ryan Day to speak to the crowd. And after hearing this kid speak, I'm here to tell you right now, he is the heart and soul of this team. That kid was so fired up, man. Dude is special. I didn't, I honestly didn't think, Aaron, that we would ever see another Jeremy Ruckard. Cade uh, Stover, were these, were these two kids like separated at birth or something? Except I think Cade Stover is just maybe a little bit meaner, dude. I could see it. That's a good I mean, thing. It is a good thing. You know, we need that kind of fire, especially on on both sides of the ball, really. But uh, there was one play where Stover caught the ball, um, and I had a friend over last night um, watching the game. And he doesn't really know much about football, but he he likes to watch the game, right? And he's he's not really a fan of college. He likes pro, but he was watching the game with me just for funsies. Um, Stover caught the ball and. Somebody came up to hit him and just bounced off of him, and Stover kept running. And he thought that that was just the greatest thing, and I, I agree with him. That's that's what we need at tight end. That old school, I'm going to catch the ball, and good luck tackling me. I'm going to hurt you if you try to tackle me type attitude. Yeah, he's he's country strong, boys, I'm telling you. Love like, the, the kid wrestles bowls for fun. You talk about funsies, <laughs> that's funsies in Lexington, Ohio, in the Stover family. You want to know, this is how the kid was raised. When he left to go to Ohio State, guess who was feeding the bulls at 4 a.m. taking his position, feeding the cows? His 12-year-old sister. She's probably tougher than most of these pansy millennial or whatever we're on, zennials or Gen Zs now that I saw uh, student in the student sections yesterday who with their scarves and drinking their lattes at Ohio State game. Give me a break. That irritated you just a little, didn't it, Eric? Yeah. I, a little bit. Come to a freaking football <laughs> game. Upset. Come to a freaking football game wearing a scarf in 80-degree weather because you think you're cool. Give me a break. At he least the, the Indiana fans might not be able to spell, but at least they put letters on their shirts for fun. <laughs> Did you guys see that, by the way? Indonesia? Yeah, I Indonesia. saw that. <laughs> yeah. Magic. I know the whole English department at that university was like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. unless, unless if there was some kind of inside joke that we don't know about, in which case, if that is, holy cow, it might be the greatest troll of all time. <laughs> I just hope they're all in the same class like that would that would be magic. Oh my gosh! Yes, very, very well. I I wish we could learn the the backstory to that. All okay, right. Guys. Last question, and this one's from Justin Bowman, and it is a three-parter. <laughs> so, was JSN going down 
actually a good thing for the other receivers to learn how to have a chance to be the top target. That was the first part. Secondly, there were some growing pains for sure, but Agbuka played well. And maybe this will help him and Harrison moving forward if they're indeed going to be the guy. I guess that's more of a continuation of the first half. Finally, do you think it could help Stroud as well because he's learning how to play without his top target? Well, let me start out with the first thing, the first part of this. Was JSN going down a good thing? Absolutely not. It's never good to have the best player, the best player in his position in the country go down. Yeah, it's going to give some valuable targets to the other guys. It may help them out a little in the long run. And they definitely got valuable game snaps against top competition. And you know what? Egbuka and Harrison, you know, they may not have put up the numbers that uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is capable of, but I think they did a, a very good job once they got on the same page with Stroud. And yeah, it's going to help Stroud a little in, in getting continuity with them as well. But ultimately, no, it's never good to see a player of Smith and Jigba's quality on the ground for any reason ever. For any amount of time. Eric, what's your thoughts? I'll say this. It was good for Xavier Johnson to have a moment. That, yeah. that, that moment doesn't happen if Njigba and, uh, is playing and uh, Julian Fleming is playing, who was also uh, not available for this game. So it was good for him, you know. And I also think it was good, although I agree with you, Chris, it's never good to lose uh, uh, your top target. But I will say this. I think it is good for the confidence of C.J. Stroud to know I've got the targets available to me to to make to, to win regardless if my my number one receiver is out there and available to me or not. We've got the depth to make this happen. So. That's my thoughts. Aaron? Uh, we're answering all three of these questions right now. Um, Go for it. Obviously, what you guys said is right. You know, JSN going down, period, is a bad thing just because on a personal level, you don't want to see guys get hurt. You know, um, that's that's never good for any reason. Uh, for the team, it's obviously not good because your best wide receiver is not in the game. Uh, the growing pains, as for that, uh yeah, it, it builds rapport between Stroud and the other receivers. Like when you don't have JSN, he's got to develop trust with other guys. And, and it's not to say that he doesn't have it. You know, I'm quite sure that he trusts Egbuka, judging by the nine receptions. Um, and Marvin Harrison as well, uh, looking at how they played together in the Rose Bowl. Uh, and I think he had, what, four or five receptions of his own. Yeah. Uh, but to have Xavier Johnson step in there and make a massive play the way that he did – uh, that just tells C.J. Stroud that, hey, I can trust people who aren't JSN, Amika Agbuka, and Marvin Harrison. You know, So that's only going to be a good thing moving forward. And yes, it does help Stroud in learning how to play without his top target because it shows that in crunch time, on TV, on the primetime slot, he can count on a walk-on to get the job done. All right, awesome. I'll tell you what, that does it for the questions for this week. Keep them coming in, guys. We love to answer them every week, so keep those questions coming. And next up, we'll have Aaron take us on a trip around the Big Ten. Yeah, so uh, it, was a, it was a good week for the Big Ten overall. Uh, starting on Thursday night, we had Penn State at Purdue, and I think you guys picked Purdue to win that game, didn't you? Don't remind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, first uh, it, off, hold on a second. If you watch the game, Purdue should have won that game. I now, agree. Now, obviously, it, it's kind of like Nebraska. You got to actually do it. You know, it doesn't almost doesn't count, right? Like you, Facts. you, 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 you still got an L in the column there. But um, I, I'll say this much: I, my belief on who Penn State is, I think I'm dead on. Mm-hmm. They are, they are a youth movement. They're, they are not. They're not a threat this year, but next year and the year after, Penn State is going to be Ohio State's biggest challenger. 
I can't disagree with you. Uh, you know, it, it, I watched the game. I don't know if you guys did, but it felt like Penn State did just enough to hang in there. And then on the final drive, Sean Clifford played lights out like that was his the best drive of his career, probably. Um, and he let them down the field and they ended up winning 35 uh, 31. And then also on Thursday night, uh, New Mexico State uh, showed up at, at Minnesota and did absolutely nothing. Minnesota won that game 38 to zero. Friday night, Sparty had a visit from Western Michigan and they took care of business 35 13. And then in the uh, probably the crappiest game that I've ever seen in my life, uh, Illinois went out to Indiana. And uh, I think we all thought that Illinois would win that game, and they probably should have. But again, that game was—I don't even—I I can't even say that it was USFL quality. Okay, it was just so bad. <laughs> they, uh, they, they crapped the bed, man. They really both teams did. It was like who—it it was more like who does not want to win this game. That's how it felt. Uh, just oh god, that was terrible. Indiana won the game though, twenty-three to twenty. And then Saturday, uh, obviously we know Ohio State took care of business over Notre Dame, 21-10. That team up north took care of Colorado State, 51-7. Wisconsin, 38-0 over Illinois State. Iowa in another trash game. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. With an FCS opponent, they win 7-3. to And no, they did not score a touchdown. They kicked a field goal and had two safeties, folks. Wow. I thought that that offense would be a little bit better. I know South Dakota State is a pretty good FCS program, but uh, Iowa, what are you doing, guys? Uh, <laughs> whoa. Uh, Maryland takes down Buffalo 31 to 10. Rutgers came from behind at Boston College to win by a point, guys, 22 to 21. I was impressed by their heart. Uh, and then Nebraska. You know, that game didn't look pretty for them. It uh, looked like they might have uh, given that one up as well. And you know what's interesting is up by, I think it was, uh, they were either tied or they were up 24-17. They tried to do another onside kick. <laughs> I don't know what Scott Frost's deal is with onside kicks when he has the lead, but uh, he pro somebody should tell him to stop doing that. Uh, that's just my opinion. But uh, Nebraska does pull away eventually 38 to 17 over North Dakota. And that is your week in Big Ten football. Well, uh, let me say this about Iowa. Can I can I talk about the Hawkeyes for a second? I'd prefer that you didn't. <laughs> I, I told you all that that offense was inept. But even I didn't think it was that inept. That might be the worst offense in the Big Ten, and that's saying something hmm. when you've got Illinois and Indiana in your conference. Yeah, that they have. That's how you saw them win right there. That's how they have to win every game this year is with defense because offensively they are trash. They are a dumpster fire offensively dude and the only and here's why because if is if you know iowa i, I kind of I, I know a couple iowa fans it's it's kirk farron's son who's the offensive coordinator and every year he they've gotten worse and worse and worse and he refuses to do anything about it because that's his boy all well, right come on could you imagine thanksgiving after you fired your son well I mean, how much do you want to win? Like, oh, well, that's coal in your stocking, my dude. That's bad news bears at Christmas time. It, it it really is. But I mean, here's and here's the thing. There's a lot of people that believe he's the next head coach. Probably is. If that's true, Iowa is. They are in danger. danger. Somebody has to. Somebody has to continue that mediocrity out there. That, that's not mediocrity. That's basement dwelling, dude. I mean. It is what it is. <laughs> You're right. It's they're they're freaking terrible, man. I, if, I was I was in shock. If they don't turn it around, they lose to Iowa State by three scores next week. I bet it's more than that. Iowa State's not it. Iowa State's not the same Iowa State they've been the last couple of years either. That's true. They don't have Brees Hall anymore either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll tell All you right, what, guys. Oh, real quick, stepping a little away from the Big Ten a little bit. You know, this was. This was the anniversary of Appalachian State's big upset. Did you see they almost did it again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they gave North Carolina all they wanted and then some. Yeah, North Carolina is not as 
I, I okay. So I, I wasn't gonna say anything. I was hoping to get away with it, but I have the fourth team in the CFP jinx going on. Last year I called North Carolina. They lose week one. This year I called Utah. They lose week one. Next year I'm I'm gonna put Alabama as my fourth team and hope they lose week one. I was gonna say. <laughs> well, since they're playing at you know technical college from down the road that's probably not going to happen eric probably you're right probably not but hey you know what stranger things have happened Mm. all right guys this has been a lot of fun we'll be back thursday uh for a riveting uh show of previewing arkansas state (laughs) aaron enjoy that film this week that film Uh. study yeah, I'm pumped. Is that what? It, do they even have cameras in Arkansas for that? Like, in you that might, area? you might have to like, you might have to submit for tape. I don't know, like <laughs> Freedom of Information Act. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, with, you're with the military. I'm sure you can pull some strings, buddy. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I have to hit up my uh, intelligence guys. Satellite over practice. Yeah. A drone. Uh, uh, forewarning, Chris, these stats are going to be something hideous to look at. But, but weren't they one of the worst defensive teams in the country last year, if I'm not mistaken? They were. And I, you want to talk about a get right with your offense? I might predict that we score 80-some points next week. Perhaps. But I will tell you guys this. Arkansas State beat the crap out of Grambling uh, this past week, I don't remember the score, but it was like 56 to seven, something crazy, 50 to 10. It was a lot to a little. I'll just leave it at that. But it is grambling. So uh, this is true. You yep. take take with that what you will. When the when when you play a team that's not even in the college uh, college NCAA college football game, does it count? It's a directional team. I don't know. Does does it count? I, I mean, you get a one and zero, but. I mean, I guess I you mean, go from grambling to Ohio State. Uh, it's not yeah. looking good. Not looking good. I do love how that this is the 100th year anniversary of the horseshoe. And they were talking about in the very first game when we opened the horseshoe 100 years ago, Ohio State defeated Ohio Westland. And I'm like, Ohio Westland. We only know who that is because we live here. Yeah. <laughs> is that still a school? Is that a, a for profit? What is that? Yeah, for profit. Is that a seminary? What is that? Yeah. Mean? Well, they might actually. I think they're a Methodist school. So they I know they used to be. I don't know. Yeah. My wife just said they are. It's like she went there for a couple of years before she went to Ohio State. Uh. <laughs> All right, guys, that's the show for this week. As always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH in St. Carmen, Ohio, with all your heart. And until next time, OH! I Go Bucks. Oh, come, let's sing, oh, Hios praise and songs through armor while our hearts rebounding thrill. And joy which death alone can still. Summer's heat, oh, winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, how.